1: Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston.
2: Good morning to my People's Baptist Church family, and good morning to our guests and friends who have joined us for this live stream worship service. Welcome to this service, and my prayer is that God will speak to us this morning and meet us at the point of our need and allow us to rejoice in his goodness and his mercy to us. The title of the message today is We Are God's Masterpiece. The, in 2009, I think the women for Women's Day had the theme, You Are, you are God's Masterpiece. Forgiven, Worthy, Loved, and Chosen. And so we return to a familiar passage of Scripture. During the Great Depression in the early 1930s, a panel of speakers, including Clarence Darrow, the distinguished attorney and professed atheist, were addressing a meeting of people from Chicago's South Side, most of them black. The economic conditions were at their worst. Money and jobs were scarce. And Clarence Dower used that fact to point out the plight of the black people. He summed up their woes, concluding, And yet you sing. No one can sing like you do. What do you have to sing about? Quick as a flash, a lady in the audience shouted, We have Jesus to sing about. And then that was followed by amens, yeses, and that's right. Uncharacteristically, Clarence Darrow for once was lost for words. For he was face to face with that that which cannot be rationalized, hardly even talked about in human terms. People who can sing through tears, and above their fears, because they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Master, and understand who they are and what he has called them to be. As Christians, we are more than what we think, more than what people think about us. There are times when some of us, or perhaps many of us, are tempted to believe that we are of no value, Especially when we see how people act toward us as though our lives don't matter as human beings. But I'm here to tell you this morning that if you are a child of God, you are somebody special, that your life does matter to the God of heaven and earth. You are so special and have such a high value that when you surrendered, your life to Jesus Christ and became a child of God, the angels in heaven put on a party to celebrate your salvation. If you are a Christian this morning, you're worth more to God than the entire created universe. It is not what society says about you or how it treats you that is important ultimately. It is what Almighty God says And he tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 17, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. And the NIV translation puts it like this. Now, if we are children then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. My understanding is that a co-heir or a joint heir shares equally in everything, which means that we are destined to share Christ's power and glory and dominion in the ages to come. I don't understand all that is meant by by this because I have a finite mind which cannot comprehend the infinite. But the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Brothers and sisters, We are of infinite value to God. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul paints a marvelous picture of the Christian as God's masterpiece. And so there are three points. One, Paul is saying that we are trophies of God's grace. Ephesians chapter 2, 4 through 9 with Jesus Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved us by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So the question is, why did God choose to save you and me from the bondage of sin? Because he wants to make us living trophies of his marvelous grace in Jesus Christ— In spite of all that we are now, in spite of our failures, in spite of our sins, one of these days God is going to put us on display before the angels of heaven as evidence of the power of his grace. God has in mind for us possibilities far greater than anything we can ever imagine. What we have already received or experienced is only a mere trickle of his grace. As Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 9, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now Paul is saying that if we are genuine believers, it is entirely as a result of divine grace. You cannot earn grace. You cannot deserve it. Grace means unmerited favor and is the unmerited action of a generous and loving God who chose to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. If we did not earn it, then we can't boast that we are better than anyone else. As the Apostle Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am now a child of God, a special person, a person with greater value than the entire world around me. But I can't brag or boast about how good I am, for in the absence of grace, I am nobody. Without grace, I can do nothing acceptable to God. Unless grace helps me, I cannot make the journey. When I have grace, I don't need the media to tell me who I am. When I have grace, I don't need a large bank account or connection with the right people to make me feel like I'm somebody. When I have grace, I don't need the approval of the world to have self-esteem and a sense of personal worth. We are saved by grace through faith so that there will be no boasting in the presence of God. And yet, we are all prone to boast— about our achievements, and to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. But God has a way of cutting us down to size. Sometimes he sends affliction so that we might learn our weakness. Sometimes he allows us to suffer loss so that we might learn how helpless we are. Sometimes he removes us from positions of influence so that we might realize we are not indispensable. Fellow believer, whatever we have achieved in this life, we owe to the grace of our God. But the second point that Paul is making here is that we are God's masterpiece. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ. In Christ Jesus. So... We can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now, Paul calls us God's masterpiece, or according to the Jerusalem Bible translation, God's work of art. Isn't it thrilling to know that even though society may treat you like dirt, even though the U.S. Supreme Court once ruled that black people have no humanity worth defending, that we are God's work of art, his masterpiece— that he is in the process of perfecting. Oh yes, there are many rough edges that must be sanded down by the Almighty. There are stubborn wills that must be bent in conformity to God's will. There are character defects that must be smoothed out. There are besetting sins that must yet be conquered. But Paul is saying that in spite of these obvious flaws and weaknesses, the divine craftsman is at work producing a marvelous masterpiece to be displayed in the gallery of eternity. God is at work in your life and mine to produce perfect specimens of redeemed humanity so that his wisdom, power, and love can be demonstrated now and in the ages to come. The most important fact about a Christian is that he or she is a new creation, a new creature. God, the omnipotent and creator, the great potter, God, the great workman, has brought something into being in your life and mine that was not there before. That is what makes me a Christian, makes you a Christian. I have the life of God within me. I have the spirit of God living in my mortal body. Apart from this fact, I have no right to call myself a child of God. As the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8 and verse 9, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. As I think of my life as a Christian, I think of it not in terms of what I'm doing, but in terms of what God is doing in me. Right now, the hands of a great workman, a great creator, is working in me and upon me to make me into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And he cannot make me like Christ without putting me through the fiery furnace of trials, troubles, and tribulations. You see, these things are a part of the divine process designed to perfect you and me. So when you and I feel like complaining, when we feel like giving up on the Christian life, let us remember the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 and verse 18 where Paul says, I consider... That our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Oh, it is difficult to be a Christian in a world like this, in a society like this. We live in an age in which sin abounds. Violence is rampant on our streets and hell is on the loose. But God has a word for us. In Psalm 137, verses 1 and 2, it says, Don't be upset because of evil people. Don't be jealous of those who do wrong, because like the grass, they will soon dry up. Like green plants, they will soon die away. And Paul in, in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 says, So let us not get tired of doing what is good, At the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. But thirdly, Paul is saying that God has saved us to do good works. Ephesians 2 and 10 again, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That means from in eternity. See, God has not saved us to sit back and do nothing. We are saved from sin to do good works, works of kindness, compassion, helping one another, meeting one another's needs, and reflecting the very spirit of Jesus Christ in our attitude and actions toward one another. There is a task, an assignment for each of us God prepared our assignment long before we became Christians, long before we were born, before he created the world. Maybe it is to sing. Maybe it is to give spiritual leadership as a deacon, deaconess, Sunday school teacher, trustee, usher, or to offer hospitality and encouragement to some tired and battle-worn pilgrims. It includes even the secular jobs that you perform daily as unto the Lord. It does not matter what the task is. The point is we are saved to do good works, works that will bring glory to our Father in heaven. That when they see us and see what we do, they will glorify our Father in heaven. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58... So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and unmovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. John Newton was a tough sea captain who commanded a slave ship transporting human cargo from Africa to the Caribbean. On a voyage across the Atlantic... His ship was caught in a terrible storm somehow he knew that if he if the ship was going to be saved and if he was going to be saved then god would have to save them both and so he called upon god in sincerity that god would save them the storm subsided and john newton returned to england a changed man he gave up his career as a captain of a slave ship became a minister of the gospel and worked with the English parliamentarian William Wilberforce in his fight to end the slave trade that he was once a part of. As someone whose life had been transformed by the grace of God, John Newton was led to write that now famous hymn, Amazing Grace. It says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. He also wrote, I'm not what I ought to be, I'm not what I wish to be, I'm not what I hope to be, but by the grace of God, I'm not what I used to be. Oh, I'm so glad today that it was God's amazing grace that delivered us from spiritual bondage, that made us a part of God's divine family, that put a song of praise on our lips, and that opened our eyes to see the truth. This grace has seen us through many a difficult moment. It has seen us through many a trying hour, many a discouraging day, many a painful experience, many a sad occasion, and many a dangerous situation. It is this same grace that is now functioning in us as a divine work of art God's masterpiece if you have not experienced this grace let me tell you it is sufficient no matter who you may be no matter where you may live no matter what you may have done and no matter what your situation may be that grace is sufficient so amazing is God's grace that it can keep you calm even in the midst of crisis It can keep you hopeful even in the midst of despair. It can keep you rejoicing even in the midst of sorrow. It can give you assurance even in the midst of uncertainty. And it can keep you satisfied even in the midst of hardship. God's amazing grace can lift you up when you're down. It can strengthen you when you're weak. It can comfort you when you're disturbed. It can help you when you are helpless. It can protect you when you're in danger. And it can give you determination to keep on keeping on. In conclusion, let me say whatever the future may hold for you, God's grace will be sufficient. Whatever trials you may have to encounter in this life, God's grace will be sufficient. Whatever method of death awaits you, God's grace will be sufficient. Whatever hard times life may deal out to you, God's grace will be sufficient. And however rough the road may be ahead of you, God's grace will always be sufficient. For it is grace hath brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. Amen.
1: Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617 617-